Coming up on this episode, we begin with the art of a good layover, tips for cross-country skiing, and the things you find on old DVDs. Then we get to the week's tech news, based entirely around the wacky and zany gadgets of this year's CES. Stick around, it all starts for you right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 329, recorded January 10th, 2022. Who would ever buy this? Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by a man who thinks Sub-Zero is a low-calorie sandwich. It's Colby Rabideau. Hello, Colby. It's not a low-calorie sandwich. (laughs) See, I would have guessed it was like a Gatorade flavor. So, oh yeah, Gatorade Sub Zero. That's pretty good. Or like Mountain Dew Sub Zero. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Same. That sounds good. Right. What would a Sub Zero sandwich be? Well, it have to just be like, like celery, which has zero calories. Yeah. And but no bread or anything else. It's not really <laughs> no a sandwich. Or it'd have to be cold. Are there like ice cold sandwiches? Ice cold sandwiches. You may have really come up with. I guess an ice cream <laughs> well, sandwich. Well, an ice cream true. sandwich would be a Sub Zero yeah, sandwich. I guess that's true. Like a Klondike. That's bar. a good ice cream shop name where you only sell ice cream sandwiches and you call it Sub Zero. Sub Zero. But they look like little sandwiches. Like mm. sub sandwiches. They look like bread and meat, but it's made of oh ice cream. Oh my God. I just, um, it just occurred to me that sub, the sub, there's a sub sandwich pun there i i that was like the- saying su- i said sub-zero <laughs> sandwich and like that was a little redundant I didn't, I didn't realize that's what i meant by sub-zero right i didn't get that until the low just- calorie sub-zero the low calorie sandwich anyway off to a hot start here uh, in 2022 good for good for us fine. uh welcome to the new, new year colby how are you enjoying it so far is it everything you dreamed it would be it was good. I spent the first three days of 2022 having flights canceled and <laughs> spending hours in the airport only to be sent, sent back to where I came from. Well, on the upside, though, I'm sure you were stranded in a beautiful location like Miami or, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, uh, balmy Santa Barbara. I don't know. Where were you? Balmy St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, no. You couldn't even get to Minneapolis? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wrong side of the river. You got in the sec- the lesser city. Oh, no. Yeah. it It's... I don't know. It was nice. It was very wintry until it, like... It, to that point, we hadn't had any real winter here. I don't think we'd had any snow. And they had they had tons of snow. It was it was great. Just... It, it could have been worse. Like, at least... I'm thankful... I'm thankful that we didn't like try and change flights to a connecting flight or something and get stuck somewhere terrible. Like, you know, Cleveland, there was a connecting flight through Cleveland. And I said, ouch, you're just asking for trouble. That's a trap. That's a, that's the kind of thing you never come back from. Um, but yeah, we made it back. Uh Yeah. I'm, I'm flying to Charlotte tomorrow. And because I booked the flight a little bit of a last minute, the company was kind of like, the system was rejecting certain flights for certain costs. They wanted me to take a connecting flight to Charlotte from Hartford. Now it's a two hour flight without a connection with a connection. It's like a six hour flight. 
And so I basically said, screw you. My time is worth something. You can pitch in a little extra on the ticket and get me a, a direct goddamn flight. Well, that like, was literally there were there were flights they recommended to me. That was like a layover in, you know, uh, I think one was was it Dallas. I think it was a layover in Dallas to get to Charlotte. I was like, OK, I get it's a little cheaper, but no, I don't think so. Not cheaper for the environment or my sanity. <laughs> that was my. uh so going out there, I had one flight canceled and they, so originally my flight left at like 7.30 in the morning and at 11 o'clock the night of, like the night before, they canceled my flight and automatically rescheduled me to a different flight that left at 6 a.m. <laughs> and in, instead of going directly to Minnesota, it went from Boston to New York and then there was a 12 and a half hour layover. <laughs> which, which is zany because how many Boston to New There must be a zillion Boston to New York flights. Like, why would you right. they put you on one that's 12 hours away? <laughs> I don't, I just don't know. Uh, like, maybe that was the only one that was, that had seats. I don't, I, I can't explain. I don't understand why they didn't just book me a train ticket or, or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Wow. Oh no! Look what the cat dragged in. Oh no! It's Swedish supervillain Dan <laughs> Miller. <laughs> now he's got the look. He's got the headphones. He's got the the the, the turtleneck. What's going on, Dan? I'm uh, afraid to ask. Yeah, the car didn't get picked up. I don't know. Maybe we should just leave it at that. Oh boy. Dan's having Dan's having a tough time of the things. Hopefully, we can uh, turn it around here tonight for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, What's new? What's happening? What did I miss? We pretty much just talk about travel and flights, which I'm sure you don't want to talk about. So <laughs> we, we can we can pivot. Colby, you tried. Uh, we, we saw a little bit of you trying some cross-country skiing. Now, I know you are uh, a downhill skier, a, a fairly competent one. Tell me about uh, is it is it harder to ski when there's not a slope? Yeah, honestly, the hard part was not that there wasn't a slope. It's that the skis aren't attached to your feet, really. They're just attached to your toe. So they're like flopping around. Oh, now, did you just put them on wrong? <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the way they're supposed to be. But oh, I'm not, I'm not I don't, I've never done it, sure. so I'm just double checking. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was sort of fun. I feel like I was kind of getting the hang of it, but it was also like negative 15 degrees at that point <laughs> we didn't we didn't stay outside for for an incredibly long time and and dan i know you've become uh quite the skier as well are you a fan of, of the flats varietal of skiing i've never tried it um i would like to it's uh, weird but, yeah i don't it's 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 strange because like downhill skis, or at least most like today's downhill skis have like, they're like shaped in such a way that they like do stuff like they're, they're right. like when you press, you press on the, you like press it, you shift your weight in a certain way and like stuff happens like cross country skis are just straight. So like <laughs> it was just like, a couple of two by fours you strapped in. Right. No matter what you do, you have to like pick up your feet. For anything to happen, like no matter what you do, they just go whichever way they were going. They were going. 
<laughs> it's very weird. Uh-huh. My uh, my brother was a big cross country skier in high school, and he said it required much more concentration than you would think. Um, where it wasn't uncommon for newbies going a little too fast or not knowing what they're doing to careen off into the woods. Well, so that was before I arrived in Minnesota. Laura injured herself cross country skiing. She she had a, a a minor urgent care visit and has like a thumb support <laughs> right now. Better to catch oh, yourself no. with your hands than your face. That's true. Yeah. It was not broken or sprained. Just like a very intense bruise. Is this a posterior bruise? (laughs) Is that why you need the foam support? I don't I don't know what posterior means in this context. (laughs) Never mind. We'll leave it at that. Um, good. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. How was your holiday, Sean? Did you get up to any uh, oh, hijinks? Absolutely not. Um, I didn't go anywhere or do anything. I barely left my house. It was wonderful. Uh, I cleaned out my storage unit, Ooh. which was pretty cool. There was a lot of junk in there that I got to chuck and get rid of. And then some old, I wish I had some, you know what I did find? There's a technology angle here, uh, which is I found, you guys remember back in like, actually I know the year 2005 specifically was a lot of this where hard drive space was very expensive, but blank DVDs were not. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I burned all of my files onto DVDs like this one that says tech stuff. Um, I must have had 50 of these with files on them from 2005 I found in a box. Do you know how hard it is to get files off of one of these in 2021? I can it's only imagine. It's basically impossible. So not only did I have to track down an external disk drive, I then had to, tr- I found out that um, these are all written in some weird Windows format from 2005 <laughs> that does not open on a Mac. So I had get, got to experiment with Parallels, which we can talk about, and actually was a wonderful experience. It was the best Windows experience I've ever had. It was pretty f- freaking cool, especially the way it worked with Mac. But anyway, <laughs> um, and so I spent like several days just transferring files off of DVD, um, most of which was um, when I was in middle school, I was a big film kid. I used to have like literally a VHS camcorder that I digitized all the footage of back in 2005. I was editing digital video in 2005. So I have a bunch of embarrassing footage of me from 2005 that is hopefully will never be seen by anyone on earth, but I kept it all for some reason. And now I have it in my Dropbox for whatever that's worth. You shared one somewhere, didn't you? I shared some screenshots on Instagram um, on my on my story and that, that was just the tip of the iceberg because I really I was mostly a behind the camera guy but I did do some on screen acting and I was such a little dork uh, it was it was amazing but we shot I mean I you know this is not a pat on the back thing but I was legitimately in 2005 I had a capture card I was pulling VHS footage into my Dell giant desktop with Pentium 3 or whatever and was editing video at the time it, it, in retrospect it was like wow that's that's nothing to, to sneeze at. You're on the cutting edge. I mean, I, I literally was the first student in my school district to ever submit a, an, a shot and edited video as a school project. 
I was also the first student to ever give a PowerPoint presentation in a class. So, um, but um, yeah, so that was neat. It was neat to see all those, but damn, don't ever do that. It was such a pain. But Parallels was great. I ran Parallels with Windows 11 uh, and it was insanely fast. It worked great. And then I didn't know that. I thought when you ran something in Parallels, I'd never done this before, that it just like ran in a window. But what I didn't realize was like, you can like, easily like open a file on your Mac and have it open in the windows on parallel or like you can save a file in windows, but it'll also be like, I didn't realize they were so tightly integrated. It was, in, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. I forgot That's about cool. that. I haven't used parallels since like probably like the first Mac I ever had. But I, I remember there were things where like, allegedly you could configure it to do stuff like that, but I never, I always failed at configuring it to like, it never, it never worked. Well, I think part of it too, is that it actually runs because I'm on the M one MacBook pro. Uh, it runs windows 11 arm edition. So it's not the actual full. And they're like, some programs might not work. I didn't do a ton with it. I didn't experience any issues. But I think that's partly why it was so fast and partly why they were able to do... I don't know if it's that complementary in a, in a traditional Intel right. uh, system. Hmm. So but, now, but literally the you, fastest what, Windows computer I've ever used. What specifically did you use uh, to get those files and stuff? Like, I wouldn't have it thought was that Windows honestly, ARM would be able to read super old Windows files. I'm not an expert in file formats uh, and in, in disk formatting, but basically what happened was I would I would hook them up, try and open them in Finder, and it would say the disk it would say the disk was empty. And I said, I know it's not. And when I would hook it up in Windows, it would say there were files on the disk. So whatever, however they were burned at the time, uh, Mac would not recognize it, but Windows would. Cool. So thank thank goodness that worked because I don't own a Windows computer at the moment. So I kind of would have been in uh, would have been in trouble. I didn't realize that. Yeah, like your motherboard something something. I, 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 I no idea. But even getting, I have a very old uh, external uh, DVD drive that I had in a drawer somewhere. I pulled out, and even that didn't want to work with the Mac right away. And I kind of had to finagle it to even get it to read the fact there was a disk but as soon as i put up windows read it right away with the usb no problem read the disk easy breezy i mean like i have this really vague memory of like when i was working at when i was in california at facebook i remember someone like giving a presentation or something about how like they were investing in like DVD storage as a like <laughs> like storing crap on DVDs at scale, like things that you didn't really like. I don't know, like old analytics and in crap, like it was called like cold storage or whatever, and they like they put everything on DVDs because it was cheaper. <laughs> I wonder if they're still doing that <laughs> or if the if the this was for Facebook the business, yeah. Yeah. I think they must. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I know that tapes, people used to use tapes for stuff like that because it was super cheap. And I think 
possibly more durable than DVDs, like it would last longer, but maybe that's changed. Yeah. I don't know. This was a yeah. very long time ago. My memory is not what it uh sadly not very durable, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's also funny because I have giant in addition to the discs, I have a couple of giant uh hard drives that use some kind of connector that's a zillion years old and will never convert like through 16 uh, adapters into USB-C or something. <laughs> Firewire um, 600. I, 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 it's just like SATA to eSATA to, you know, it's like all these different, I've got every adapter in the planet and I can never get, I don't think I'll ever be able to get the files off of these, but. I miss computer connectors that like screwed into the back. Yes. Of the computer. Bring it. Colby, cool. invent USB-C with screws. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. It's like the opposite of MagSafe. Yes. Screw safe. I I listen. I think it's great. I miss the day back when you used to have a separate plug for keyboard and a separate plug for mouse. Mm-hmm. That were the same the plug. Purple and green. Same, yes, exactly. Same plug, different colors. <laughs> but I never tried. Did you guys ever try like switching them to see what no, would happen? I never thought about I that. I feel like would your computer explode? I don't know. I always assumed it wouldn't work. They did make it pretty pretty easy to not switch them, though. There were a lot of color coding back in like those early, like your big compact desktop or something, your gateway computer, where everything was color coded. Audio in and audio out. That was always <laughs> had, like, that was always the reason the speakers weren't working. <laughs> they had like sixteen three and a half millimeter jacks, and you had no <laughs> idea what any of them did, and you only ever used one. But for some reason, there were like yes. six of them. <laughs> was that for surround sound? I think it I think it, I think it was like and then there was probably a digital uh output that no one ever had the equipment to use and then I, you're right I think some of it was surround sound too. <laughs> so funny. Oh, I miss that. I miss those kind of wires. Now like these days all I have are chargers. Like I have a drawer full of chargers. Can never find the charger I need, but I have a drawer full of chargers. I don't have any like peripheral connectors. That was more fun. Yeah, when you would have the one cable for the thing and it would only work for that thing, and God forbid you ever lost it or broke it. Yeah. I found, so actually, as part of my storage unit clean out, I went through all my tech drawers, uh, which somehow I do every two years. I do a big cleaning and throw out two garbage bags worth of stuff. I don't know how that happens. But I did find I do have an original 16 pin uh, iPod cable. Ooh. Why I'm keeping that, I don't know. But if I find an old iPod, I'm going to be covered. Yeah. I don't I don't miss these days. I like USB-C getting plugged into everything. I accidentally forgot my um it's been so long. I don't even remember what I forgot. Uh, my, I forgot my iPad charger, but I had my Nintendo switch charger. So it was fine. Don't need it. It's good that those two are one of the ones that works together and not, not one of the ones that doesn't. The only thing I have is the iPhone. That's the only non USB-C and I guess these headphones actually, (laughs) those are the only non USB-C devices I have, I think. 
But, you know, I and I would ask you guys this, like what percentage of time is your iPhone connected to a lightning cable, either for charging or, or for data? Like, like one third to- of the day. Oh, for when I was sleeping. See, I but I use wireless charging. Do you plug yours? Oh, in yeah. oh no, I guess. Oh, you mean literally. Uh, right. When I am normally I use MagSafe. Yeah. Because that's because I am like, I agree. Lightning is kind of bullshit. But at the same time, like I'm never looking. I'm very rarely, I should say, looking for lightning cables because everything is just I'm pretty well equipped with wireless at this point. That's true. I do have one a lightning cable on my desk that I switch between my trackpad and my iPhone. Oh, yes. That's still so. When are we going to get wireless charging in those things? In the trackpads. Imagine if the trackpad was a wireless charger. It wouldn't be a very good trackpad, would it? If you had to put your phone. <laughs> your phone would always be sitting out. <laughs> just like you're trying to like move around the phone. It's oh, like no, the mouse. Perfect. It's like the mouse with the, the charger on the bottom. <laughs> when your phone is on the trackpad, your phone becomes a trackpad. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, why, why do I need a trackpad at all? I just want to <laughs> click on my phone. <laughs> Colby plugging in his phone with lightning to charge it, and he's using it as the trackpad. Oh, this is so much easier. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think there is an app for that. I had to do that in a pinch once because I didn't have uh, I didn't have a mouse and I needed one. Oh, right, because I wanted to close the lid on my laptop and connect it to a TV, which you can't do on a Mac unless you have a mouse. Uh, so I downloaded an app and, and got a mouse. Well, oh, go ahead, Colby. Well, I was going to say a thing I started doing this week that I really like so far is you can you can airplay to your Mac now. I do that all the time. I do it while I'm working. I just airplay stuff from my phone to the computer that I'm sitting at. It's it's surprisingly convenient. It's like overcast still doesn't have a Mac thing. Oh, I see. So you have your headphones plugged into the computer and then you're. Uh, yeah, or I'm just sitting okay. at the computer and I want like the podcast that I was listening to to pop out, you know, pop out the speakers. It nice. Or like a YouTube video or something. Well. Yeah. I haven't really tried it for video, which is the thing I thought I was going to like it for. Just been using it for audio. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But anyways. Connectors. Guys, uh it's that time of year. It's that time. No, it's not the holidays. No, it's not New Year's. No, it's not Valentine's Day, although if you go into your local store, you'll see they're already. Uh no. It is CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and though it didn't happen this year in person, there were still a lot of exciting announcements. And I've collected some of the zaniest CES. That's right. No real news. Only weird announcements. We love it on the show. We've done it every year. So, guys, we've got about nine different links here in the rundown of some of the weirdest and wackiest of CES 2022. I'll give you a minute to uh, peruse some of these URLs if one is sticking out to you. Have you heard of any of these? Uh, See. Oh, no. See what's... It's a wide range. We've got everything from cars to appliances to robots to to computer accessories to TVs. 
quite a selection. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the most boring one, which I think has to be the curved gaming monitor. Don't we already have curved gaming monitors? Oh, Dan. There are curved gaming monitors, and then there are curved gaming monitors. Oh, okay. my. This is the Odyssey Arc from Samsung, its largest curved monitor yet. It's 55 oh, inches. That's like TV on your wall sized. Um, uh, let's see is it here. Vertical? Uh, it's, is vertical? Oh, oh. It can what? be rotated. It can be rotated. So the screen will actually start on your desk and it will curve up over your head. Um, no firm price or release date yet, though it features quantum dot color and mini LED backlighting. Um, they say it's a curved 55 inch display with a 16 by nine aspect ratio. So it's not a super wide curved. It's actually more of a traditional widescreen curve. It's just really big. It includes a new vertical cockpit style rotating display allows portrait or landscape orientation for multitasking and multi window setups. Sean question for you. Yes. What is a quantum mini LED display? <laughs> uh, so I like to pretend I know a lot about a lot of things. Uh, monitor technology that sounds made up is something I don't, I think they're just smaller LEDs is, is the answer I'm going to give you. I don't, I don't actually know what makes it better. I'm just going to assume it's very good. Quantum. I, I'm going to look into this. Uh, I will say, and they have some uh, some pictures of, of in this article of folks sitting there using it. And I'm going to be honest, you know, I think about it, right? I use two monitors, either at home or at work, side by side, and my eyes are constantly going left and right. Is it really crazy to think that you couldn't multitask vertically? I mean, this photo shows it almost being three monitors, really. If you think about a 55-inch screen, three monitors that go up over your head. So when you don't need that top monitor... It's essentially out of view because it's up over your head, though you can look up at it occasionally. I wonder what the ergonomic impacts of a screen like this were. I'm surprisingly into it. <laughs> I, I imagine you get three of these. Oh, my God. <laughs> my brain would explode. That should be illegal. <laughs> um, but, and it takes up a lot less desk space, right? I mean, obviously, you need vertical space, but it's only as wide as a normal monitor, essentially. It's just three monitors high. I kind of like it. I don't know. It, it, does, it doesn't ex excite me in landscape. In, ver in, in portrait and in vertical, right. that's pretty dang cool. See, this is the kind of uh, the kind of ridiculous monitor I have room for in my tiny apartment. Mm. It is? Yeah, why not? Because it's vertical? Yeah, vertical space I got in spades. Well, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, you you know, Colby crazy. has the tallest apartment in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Goes yeah. on for days. You know the you know like that. I, I I stayed in what was referred to as the narrowest apartment in Dublin. It was just really long and narrow this way. Colby's it just it's just a ladder. You get in <laughs> and you just walk straight up. It's it's the only eight story apartment in the city. It was actually <laughs> it was it used to be the uh, the garbage chute for the apartment building, but then you know can't really do that anymore. So they built they an apartment in there. It. 
hey, look, they put a bathroom in. It's a legal living space. Don't ask how they did it, but they they did. <laughs> Vacuums. Well, the, the bathroom part, they just left that as the garbage chute. So everything south of there, it just goes down. Now, did you guys also see, I'm going to paste it in the, uh, the spreadsheet here right next to uh, that article. Did you see the reclining chair? The OLED throne. Oh my god, they made a reclining oh, chair. Baby. They did. It's called it's from LG. It's called the Media Chair Concept. Now it's a concept, it's not a product. They're saying they're not gonna sell it um, unless people want to buy it. Uh, but it is basically a um speakers built into the chair and a speaker in the form of an OLED panel itself. Um it's a 55-inch panel panel with a 1500R curve. Um you can also rotate between portrait and landscape modes. You just press a button um, and it'll rotate it for you. And no matter how you recline the chair, the TV is always in perfect eye line. They also have, you scroll farther down, they have the virtual ride concept, which is like an exercise bike attached to a monitor that's not only in front of you, but wraps overhead of you. Why doesn't that one like wrap around too? That just doesn't seem like it. Maybe they can only make long displays <laughs> and not wide displays. Like the technology just isn't there. Right. You get one, one vector sideways or up and down, but not both. Yeah. And it would be crazy to do it the long way. Yeah. I yeah, mean, man. That chair does look comfortable. Imagine we can do this show just like strapped in lounging coming to us from our our podcast command centers that'd be cool so so there you go i would say of all the things on this list of stuff we're going to talk about this may the the samsung uh 55 inch curved monitor may be the one i'm most likely to purchase now that may not be saying much depending on what else we talk about but it does seem at least realistically useful Uh, all right, let's see. What else is in here? Well, speaking of charging cables, who needs them? <laughs> That's what an excellent setup. Uh, I, I love I love gimmicky CES headlines. Uh, what if your TV remote could use radio waves from your router to charge itself? What? Uh, yeah, apparently it can. Uh, Samsung is back with their Eco Remote um, for their line of 2021 TVs. Uh, previously, they had done an Eco Remote that used solar power, but this new one um, added RF harvesting capabilities that collects routers, radio waves, and converts them to energy. Um, it can be charged both from, uh, in addition, it can be charged both indoor and outdoor light. It's still solar as well as over USB C. Um, Samsung has previously estimated that switching to solar-powered remotes could avoid 99 million discarded batteries over the course of seven years. Um, it does not say how the technology works, so I'm going to quickly Google RS harvesting while you guys uh, share your thoughts. <laughs> I wonder how often people replace their Samsung TVs. <laughs> if it's a Samsung, pretty darn often. <laughs> I I still have my dumb Samsung TV that I bought in 2014 and just it just keeps on working. 
But that, but then again, how many batteries have you put in the remote over all those years? You know, I honestly can't remember the last time I changed the batteries in the remote. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever changed the batteries in the remote. I don't really use no the remote. Way. I mean, I must have done it at least once, but like it doesn't it does it does the HDMI like CEC thing pretty well. And mostly I use things that turn it Jealous. on for me and turn it off, <laughs> turn it off for me. <laughs> I don't know. I told you, so like my old TV, I got into a situation where I couldn't turn the TV on. I think because every time I turned it on, something would turn it off. And that was really bad because it's basically, it was really difficult to fix that. I had to be super quick on the, <laughs> on the, the button pressing. And now, um, whenever I turn the TV on, when I have this thing enabled, if the PlayStation 5 is on the input that is selected, then, or actually, let me rephrase. If I've select, if the input that is selected is not the Apple TV, then what happens is I turn the TV on, some, like, say, by holding down the, the, the PlayStation button, that turns that turns the PlayStation on, which turns the TV on. Somehow the Apple TV turns on and then grabs the input. So it always switches to the Apple TV. Then I have to pick up the goddamn remote and switch back again. So I just turned it all off because I was like, I need the remote every time I do this anyways. <clears throat> so I just turned it off again. That's so that's so annoying. Yeah. I have that. I inherited so a universal remote from my mom, which I might try. Um, I don't know how that works in the age of Bluetooth and stuff these days. I like, so when I use, when I'm using the PlayStation, I have to like quarantine the Apple TV remote. Like it needs to be like on the shelf under the TV, because if you touch it at all, the Apple TV immediately (laughs) steals the input from, from the PlayStation. But I've never. Wait, I've what? Never... Explain this again. Is this my problem too? Well, if, if like any any of the buttons or the clicky pad on the Apple TV remote will make the Apple TV like uh... HDMI to the Apple TV. So that is like a common problem I have is the Apple TV remote is in the couch. I'm like playing PlayStation, and I like you know shift the wrong <laughs> shift the wrong way and i bump the apple tv remote like volume button and suddenly the apple tv is on the screen having replaced whatever game i was playing why is that so hard it doesn't seem like it should be hard it's almost like apple doesn't put a lot of thought and effort into <laughs> apple tv well, I mean, I just mean in general, like why, why is, why doesn't that HDMI thing work? It's been years. Like I got my TV in 2014, and it, like, it works okay, but it seems like it, nothing has gotten better. I don't know. It's a good question. I wonder what that protocol actually looks like, <clears throat> and I wonder how much, because my only explanation for my restart loop uh that i got on my old little tv is the clients must be keeping state and right because it's not like otherwise why was something was was 
keeping state after the TV was turned off. I would expect that the way this works is if I turn the TV off and turn it back on again, that, you know, none of those devices should keep track of that. Although I guess they are, they do know about it. Cause if you turn your TV off, sometimes like the, the Apple TV turns off for instance. Well, so uh, I don't know the Apple TV super well. I've never had one. How is it switching HDMI? Is it doing it over IR or is it using, uh, is it doing it directly over the HDMI? I think it's doing the HDMI thing. So it has to yeah. be, but that means it has to be plugged into a specific HDMI port. Your your uh, ARC is, is the name of the, the technology that allows it to control it. Most TVs only have one ARC port. ARC <laughs> have is you tried? different. Okay, so ARC, what... It's something I'm really confused about. ARC is basically like, wouldn't it be great if we just took one of your um, HDMI ports and made it a sound input, as far as I can oh, tell? Oh, CEC is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, my mind was boggled by ARC. When I had to set that up two years ago, last year, two years ago, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just, it all happens over HDMI. I was like, great. And I didn't think about it until I went to set it up. I was like, but what do I plug the sound bar into? Like, <laughs> oh, it's one of your HDMI ports. I was like, what the hell? I'm losing an HDMI port? Ugh. It does, it just sends I- sound? <laughs> See, I think the problem with CEC is that the TV can turn off devices and devices can turn off the TV. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the loops always come in because they, that's where it must come from. Right. Where it's like the TV like turned on, but this other thing thinks it's off. So it turns off the, t- the TV. It seems like a bad idea. Well, apparently from what I Googled in three seconds, uh, you, there are CEC settings in your TV menu. So you may be yes. able to play with those um, and adjust them to do certain things or turn some on and off. My TV has on and, each and off. T- <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what both of mine have had, too. It's, they're not very extensive. Mm, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's It seems like such a good idea. It does mostly work on my TV, but it seems like everyone has a bad time using that. Which is also weird. It's a shame. Well, maybe this is a good segue to talk about what Sony announced um, on their Bravia TV line, which I didn't even know they still made those, but whatever. Uh, They announced the Bravia Cam, uh, which you'll be able to purchase as an add-on to your Bravia TV. And it does a couple things. One, uh, the Kinect is back. You can use gestures to control your TV. (laughs) If you close your fist, it'll turn it off. Or if you wave, it'll pause it. Um, it's, it's pretty interactive and in your face. Uh, the other feature it has is a proximity alert, uh, where if you sit too close to the screen, it'll tell you to get back. You're too close to the screen. Uh, it can also be used for what they call viewing distance compensation, where the brightness and voice emphasis are adjusted automatically based on how far away you're sitting. Even the right and left channel can balance based on what side of the couch you're sitting on. That's kind of neat. I feel like the too close thing is stupid. Like, what are you going to do? Move your couch? You don't, like, walk right up to your TV to get a good look? (laughs) Right. It's not like an interactive. uh... 
it's like a one-time thing. I don't know. It seems weird. My TV this has is a built-in camera. I think that's I think the built-in Why camera. Why haven't we had... done the podcast from your TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say I think the built my, the built-in camera had like gestures and stuff that you could do. I'm gonna have to that fire up. that up later and see if it still works. <laughs> it probably uses some like very short-lived uh, Samsung, you know, Samsung My Chat that went out of business. Oh yeah, ten years sure. ago. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So, interest for all those Bravia TVs out there. Uh, get yours today. All right. What else is in here, guys? Mm, tough choices. Tough it's choices. Time to, it's time to get into the good stuff. Um, let's talk about this ridiculous laptop thing. Actually, this is kind of close to what we were describing as Colby's new touchpad. You're 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 <laughs> not wrong, and I I feel like this isn't the first time we've seen a uh, was it Razer that had a computer where the trackpad was a screen a while back. I think so. so Lenovo's right. taking it. Uh, Lenovo's taking to the next level. The ThinkBook Plus Gen three. Um, has an 8-inch secondary screen built into the base of the laptop next to the keyboard. Um, it is, uh, it's wide. It has a 12, 21 by 10 aspect ratio. Um, the primary screen, I should say. It's ultra-wide. If you look at the whole computer, it is a very wide screen. Um, the 8-inch secondary display has, has an 800 by 1280 resolution and supports a stylus that comes integrated into the body of the computer. Uh, they showed off a couple of use cases for that secondary screen. You can write notes on it, and it syncs with OneNote. Uh, you can um, put things like Twitter and Spotify down there. You can pull up a calculator. Pretty cool. Um, you can mirror <laughs> certain smartphones um, or extend apps. Um the it'll start at uh one thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars uh, and will ship in May. Wow, th- that photo of it kind of at an angle because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's just a small keyboard," but no, it's a wide laptop. Yeah, it's a regular laptop that they attached like <laughs> another half laptop to. That's crazy. It is hella wide. Seventeen really three inch screen to be typing off to the side of it. <laughs> I would think. I yeah, it looks exactly. it looks like something that you remember. Uh, I, I feel like this was this was a thing that people did to make fun of Apple for a while, where it was like, "Oh my god, I got the iPad," and they tape like four iPhones together, or like yes. they Photoshop four iPhones together. This looks like that. This looks like a a 2011 uh, Apple send up of some kind, and it doesn't like the the bottom screen doesn't really integrate very. It does look like an Android tablet they just snapped into the bottom of it. It doesn't mm-hmm. really like flow nicely into the design. I'm sure that's what like it, it is. really stands out, <laughs> right? Um, cause I almost do wish like if they, if they had said, Oh, and by the way, click a little button on the side and it pops out and it's a tablet you take. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Wow. Asus has made some weird laptops. Do, do we remember, uh, this one here's the, I'll put it in the chat in here. Look at this. I forgot about this. We must've talked about this. It's a, 
It looks like yes, a giant foldable phone, but half of the bottom screen is a physical keyboard. <sighs> yes, I do like, remember that. That was great. What if the touch bar, but it's even bigger? <laughs> the touch of the bars? <laughs> uh, I have to put... Let me see if I can pull it up. I cut it from the rundown... Because there wasn't a lot to talk about. Oh, here we go. Asus announced a foldable display laptop. Now it's my turn to put uh, something in the chat here. Uh, but basically, it's a 17-inch screen that folds in half to create a 14-inch... Or how big of a display here? It's a 17.3-inch laptop with a foldable OLED screen. It's essentially a 17-inch tablet that you can fold in half where the bottom half of the screen can be used as a keyboard where the top half is just a display or you open it all the way up to be a full tablet. This is blowing my it's, mind. Just looking. Essentially it, a, this looks, what, it's it, crazy. It looks like one of those uh, MC Escher paintings, this first image here. I, I can't wrap my, my mind around what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> it's a 12.3 inch uh, laptop when it's in clamshell mode. Um, Here's my question. So are we all looking at the same image where it's like screen with keyboard, screen folded, giant screen? That other thing that looks like a book, how did they contort that shape into into that book shape? What is that? Uh, It's just the computer folded in half. Fully folded all the way in half. Yeah. But, oh, okay, I see. And that the keyboard is the just keyboard. like a separate thing. Yeah, that's just oh. an accessory. Okay. Because what what okay. what would happen is when you're running Windows or whatever, and it was folded in a clamshell laptop mode, the bottom part of the screen would have an on-screen keyboard, essentially. Got it. Which they don't really have pictures of, which would be helpful. <laughs> um. Yes. And no no pricing either. God forbid. Right. Who knows what that'll be. See, this is more compelling to me than, like, the folding phone, I think. It looks crazy. (laughs) I agree with Dan. There is something upsetting about how it looks. Because imagine if someone walked up with a 17... By the way, a 17-inch tablet, which is big for a tablet. And then all of a sudden they just went... And they just, like, snapped it in (laughs) half. And then put it down and started using it as a laptop. I would lose my mind. It could be cool. I don't know. Absolutely crazy. I agree, though. I do think that, like, a foldable phone, you're constantly folding every day. Like, this, you're right. I feel like this, you won't break in half, necessarily, like a phone. Um, It does feel a little more secure. Yeah. But also totally unnecessary. Insane. Um, So, anyway, something uh, something to look forward to. In the la- I know you guys are big into Windows laptops, so get excited. The uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about the giant, the giant one with the tablet next to the keyboard is like that the marquee image in this article is it displaying like a huge battery indicator. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like why is that the coolest thing? It has a battery, man. That's pretty cool. Right. Maybe that's some editorializing by the the Verge uh, people, but <laughs> well, and they explicitly did not announce battery life. 
I will also say, according to the article. Woof. Yeah. So. I think That'll that to me looks like a a advertised product shot. I think that's. I don't. I don't think the Verge got you know full access to oh, this right. thing to take photos of. Right. I forgot that this uh, didn't happen in real life. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Exactly. Um, all right, guys. We have time for one more of these stories. We're chugging our uh, way through them. Only one we more. Color cha- well, we can do two more, really. Uh, we got a, a home robot, a color-changing car, an automated cocktail machine. Any of that sound? Uh... I definitely want to talk about the home robot because the home okay. robots, this is my hobby horse. Well, you might like this one, Dan, because it's extra simple. It's a, it's a self-driving shelf. Uh, a star named Labrador. You got to watch this video. Labrador Systems uh, has rolled out uh, two robots, Caddy and Retriever. Uh, they're both about the size of a side table and come equipped with wheels and sensors that let them navigate around your home. Um, they'll move between locations on command, steering around obstacles and people. Uh, the robot's max load is 25 pounds. They move at a steady walking pace and recharge themselves automatically overnight. Um, the big difference between the two models is that the retriever can raise its lower itself and it has a pair of conveyor belt like arms that let it grab trays. Uh, but really the idea is just to move things from point A to point B. They say it focuses on people with mobility problem, uh, problems, the elderly individual with chronic conditions. Um, basically it, it, it's just meant to lift things and carry things, uh, and not anything more complicated than that. Um, they believe people will be able to retrofit refrigerators to have trays in them that the robot can pull out or trays that could sit on top of counters. The robot could pull and, and, and carry around the house, but they don't intend for it to be a lot more complicated than that. That's awesome. I'm watching uh, this video. You could, I mean, this is great. You could put the laundry basket on top of the little shelf robot and just tell it to like, go, go, uh, bring the laundry over. That's cool. Oh, they put the dog food on top of the shelf for about, and the dog's chasing it around. That's not going to end well. <laughs> uh, they're going to cost around $5,000 to $7,000, depending on which machine you get, um, and various Ooh. accessories. Um, nowhere, I, uh, you can put it on a deposit now. I don't believe there's an exact ship date on it quite yet. Does it say how much they can carry? 25 pounds by weight. It's kind. This is kind of like a mobile standing desk, also. Yes, that'd be that'd be a flex. You could you could do a walking like video call from the top of your five thousand dollar shelf robot. <laughs> you just chase it around all day. It's going away. It's running away with my computer. Yeah, it moves Stop. at a, a steady walking pace. They said. Right. Yeah, I think this thing's hella cool. Uh, I'm I'm gonna rep for the uh, the Labrador here because I think I, I am annoyed by people overthinking the home robot, like it has to do a million things. And I'm like, maybe we don't all need home robots. Only some people need home robots who actually need them. Like I would never buy this. I don't think it would be useful. But I absolutely get how it would be useful <laughs> for some people. Like that's great. And the same reason I don't have one of those uh, motorized chairs that take me up the stairs, but I think they're great <laughs> for some people. <clears throat> I, I think I was thinking about this. So hopefully 
uh, if all goes well, although, you know, there's no guarantee, but eventually someday I might be moving into a house that has stairs, which I haven't, haven't lived in a house with stairs in many years. <clears throat> and it really throws a wrench into all these robots. As soon as you add the stairs, yeah. like, well, I'm going to have to like take the Roomba up to like each floor and it's like, uh, or get three Roombas. No way. But as soon as we can get one of these robots that is, can cheaply navigate stairs, like a shelf robot that can navigate stairs, that suddenly becomes a lot more useful to a lot more people. <clears throat> Imagine being able to load up your shelf robot with your laundry in the basement and have it bring it up two flights. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely. And have it take trips. Be like, all right, here's two laundry baskets. Just bring the laundry baskets upstairs. See, I want one of these that follows me to the grocery store and then carries my I heard about that. I heard about that somewhere else. Let me see if I can find it. That sounds amazing. I think, Dan, you just need to strap some drone wings to your Roomba. That, that's my suggestion. That could just fly itself around the house wherever it needs to go. Okay, I found it, Colby. <clears throat> I'll put this in the chat. This thing supposedly will follow you around and you can give it your groceries. It's basically a cooler on wheels. Oh my god! Look at this thing! Oh my god! That thing is very ugly. It is. <laughs> it's, too, it's too short. Can't be that short. That well, is, you, can, well, you feel like you a ham sandwich, down. like a six pack. Ugh, I mean, I can, but I don't want to. Oh my god! <laughs> look at the photo. Fo- this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. This looks. This looks like some guy built it in his basement. Out in the real world. And then he handed it over to a way uh, too expensive design firm. (laughs) (laughs) I I also like how the pictures are all like incredibly flat landscapes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, they make a bigger one, Colby. Oh, do they? The Max. Shop. (laughs) The Gita Max. No, it's just the Gita. The big one up to 40 pounds I mean, by weight. That's not nothing. Um, I don't know what the uh, <laughs> the interior dimensions are. I like I like <laughs> you see the photo with the robot joining them at the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> it's also cheersing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also love these quotes. Uh, Brian Kirshner says, Gita's sound and aesthetics are endearing and make me want to turn it on. (laughs) This is wild. Oh, it's only $3,000. And it comes in signal red. See how it works. Why don't they have any videos? They say it holds 10 days worth of groceries for a single person. I call bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> what are you eating like just soylent it, it holds according to google uh co- according to google conversion it holds 11 liquid gallons <laughs> so i guess you could put 11 one gallon containers in there which is not a l- probably not that though, is a because, decent amount but not really right because then there would be a bunch of wasted space 
Right, like right, right. You empty, true. you empty the containers into right. You could empty eleven <laughs> gallons of milk into the cheetah, slosh it around home. Uh, it does say music streaming. Yes, nice. So we'll stream music. He Top could be one of those people walking hour. down the street with a boombox, Colby, with your groceries. <laughs> right, but the boombox is following you. This is this is upsetting. <clears throat> they, uh, they literally don't have any videos on their website. They're suspicious. There must be. <laughs> Maybe. Very suspicious. This a pyramid scheme? Who knows? Here, I found a video. That is oh, that's so two fun. years ago. Wow. This sucks. <laughs> Here we go. YouTube. Every time I use a non-standard browser, I'm like, what? YouTube has ads? <laughs> what? This is so alarming. Yeah, if you fast this forward is... to like 50 seconds into that video, you, you can see some see some action. <laughs> see, I'm watching him open it up. He puts in a bag of potatoes and like one... Yeah, so if it's one large... Reusable shopping bag. Great. I mean, 40 uh, pounds does feel like a lot. But I, again, I is this really that different than a wagon that you pull? I mean, seriously. Because if you're going to go through the effort of like, and what do you do with the robot when you're in the store? Does it follow you around in the store? That's a good question. I mean, they allied the that part. Do, do you, do you actually, park it, it outside? Really well. It works really well in, you know, COVID times because you you can just do your your curbside pickup. Could you, well, but that's the thing. So if I could just send this thing to the store without me and the store could put my stuff in it, then I, okay, then that's, we can talk. I mean, it seems like it's, oh, no. The lady's in, no, no. The lady went into the store without the robot. Yeah, see how long your robot lasts sitting outside the store. Right. Ch ch make sure you chain it to the bike rack. <laughs> well, it has defensive countermeasures. Oh, really? Can it can shoot kidding. out a taser? Taser people? <laughs> that would be good. Uh, again, like, Dan, every idea you've pitched, I'm like, that would make me more interested. <laughs> You're really helping like them out. <laughs> yes. It also shows holograms as well. Um Dude, my they hope. partnered with, with Elon Musk for version 2, and there, it has a flamethrower attached to it. <laughs> Again, all upgrades. This thing just terrorizing <laughs> the neighborhood. <laughs> just playing heavy metal music out of its music streaming app. Going That's... to picnics. Hey, you could do Burn like a uh, Korean barbecue at the picnic with the flamethrower. Hey, guys, uh, I know you didn't invite me to this picnic, but check out my cool robot. It has a flamethrower. <laughs> Would you like it to cook your food? <laughs> Very normal. Uh, see, this is why I love CES week. What a time to be alive. Think, think, of, think, think of if we hadn't talked about all these stupid things. Um, any, anything else, gentlemen, you, uh, you wish to share? No. I want Jita and Labrador to team up and make... Like, I want an off-road Labrador that can f come with me to the grocery store, and I want it to come into the grocery store. 
You want Gina oh. and Labrador to have a baby. Exactly. Exactly. A horrible mutant offspring. Yeah, of course. It's fine. <sighs> Someday. Someday. Until then, you'll just have to slog through it yourself. And speaking of slogging through things, uh, make sure you check out our website, uh, don'tpanic.io, uh, where all of the shows are, the audio, the video. Um, it's a great place to be. And of course, subscribe to you get podcasts. Guys, I got to talk about Up for Debate for a minute. I know you guys are big fans. I'm sure you listened to last week's new episode. Dan's nodding said, Dan, what was your favorite part? Definitely. I like the part... <clears throat> Where Matt said something ridiculous and you were just trying to like cope with it. You like, you know, believe you, it or not, which you struggled. This may be the most Matt invested episode we've ever done. He hosted <laughs> the show basically because we talked about 2021's James Bond thriller, No Time to Die. It's a two hour episode. And I got to tell you, Matt probably had more opinions about that than anything I've ever known to him to have opinions about. Um, and he was like, be, he was begging because he saw it in theaters way back over the summer or whenever. And he was like, Sean, we got to do it on the show right away. And I did not want to go to movie theater. So I just saw it. So he's been sitting on these opinions for months. And so it's genuinely a very good episode where we really do talk about the end of the Daniel Craig era. Um, if you have any interest in James Bond, uh, certainly watch the movie first. But then uh, I do recommend you listen to the episode or over debate.tv or wherever you get podcasts. It was a really good one. Uh, and next week. We are going to, uh, in our long string of defunct football leagues, we're going to be talking about the USFL, uh, the short-lived 80s football league that is coming back this year. They're bringing back the USFL. So um, we're going to do a whole episode. You can learn all about it uh, on that upcoming episode. Didn't you already do a thing about the the defunct football the league that came back? <laughs> the XFL, that's right. Now we have, we're slowly working our way. Wait till we get to the World Football League. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're working our way through all of them. It's, we're connoisseurs. And this was Matt's idea for the record. They, they are bringing it back this year. Matt was like, we should talk about the USFL. I'm like, what about it? But there actually is a really good book. And, and the original one has an incredible history um, for the couple of years it ran in the 80s. Uh, major NFL talent. And a certain rich businessman joined the league late and crashed it into the ground. Can you guess who? Uh, that guy from Tiger King, the biker dude. No, close. It's everyone's favorite reality show host. And Paul, notable Paul casino Hollywood. owner. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're again, close. Uh, I won't spoil it for you. You're going to want to check out our episode to find out who, who could I be talking about? Um, but yes, he did own a team in the USFL. So uh, an interesting story there. Guys, what a pleasure it is to be back. What a great start to the year. Uh, we've got a whole year coming of great Don't Panic. I'm very excited if Dan ever eventually gets to the West Coast. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all rooting for you. Um, that Thanks. you may eventually get there. Someday. That's right. Um, but until then, we got to end it here. So on behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean. We appreciate you as always being here. And we're going to see you next time for another excellent episode of Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production. Executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.